Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. All right, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. This is a athlete and chef episode. I am Matt, that is Cornell, and uh, we're going to have a good time today. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, time time change is real weird. I always hate this one. Yeah, like it's it's. I don't I don't sleep that great in the morning, so it's not like it's that great anyway. Right. I wake up without a without an alarm clock at five in the morning, so now it's like all right, it's four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I usually am pretty keyed into uh, time changes, but this one I didn't. I knew it was coming. I didn't know if it was like. I always know the fallback and spring forward, but I still didn't know the definition behind it. And so I was just like, well, it's on a weekend. I don't have to worry about it and I'm just going to let it happen. <laughs> and, you know, I did wake up a little more tired this morning, I will say, but I don't know. I mean, Damon was telling me he got like 10 hours of sleep and that's most he's gotten in like a year. So, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, the other day when he said that they took the topper off and he wasn't getting good sleep. And then they put the topper back on and he closed his eyes and woke up nine hours later. I was like, <laughs> freaking bastard. Yeah. I, I haven't done that since I was like 12. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'll tell you, um, the mattress, it really, we've talked about this before, but man, that makes the world of difference. And I don't know if you're like this, but like, I feel that my body gets used to a mattress and then it makes it hard to sleep. And so in my house, we will play uh, musical beds. And it's, <laughs> and it's all a very selfish act based off of me getting the sleep I want. And sometimes I feel bad, but then I'm like, I'll check in with Alana. I'll be like, hey, I'll, I, is this cool? And she's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm sleeping good. You're sleeping good. Cool. And I'm like, all right, good. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, flip-flopped my kids' beds because my daughter wanted a different one. She got the first one that was like out of a – like the ma mailed-to-you bed. Right, right. Uh, and then that was probably like six, seven years ago, and she's always like, my bed's so uncomfortable. I'm like, this bed's fine. And then she's like, Maddox's bed is super comfortable. <laughs> and then when we were doing the whole like new couch and he was supposed to get the couch in his room, but we couldn't literally fit it down the hallway into his room. She's like, I get his mattress. So we switched that before we put the couch in there. And then he was like, I want my mattress back. And we're like, Nope, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. I, so. it's just such an important part. And sleep is, is, Oh, sleep is key to me being a, a normal person or a somewhat normal person. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, man, I'll tell you, this weekend was uh, uh, not a very busy one. Um, I did a lot of, like, deep cleaning on Saturday, and then I lifted a little with Damon today and did some work. And But I did cook something, and I'll, I'll share a picture with you on what it was. But they're called uh, fondant potatoes. Have you ever heard of this before? Okay. I know what fondant is. Yeah. And that's what I, well, I kind of got confused because it has nothing to do with what fondant is. <laughs> what it is, is you take a Yukon gold potato, you peel it, and then you cut it into like a, a long, long cube. So it almost looks like uh, a scallop, right? So, but it's a big scallop, right? you know, a couple inches tall. 
And you do that to all of them. And then you take in your pan and you do uh, like a little bit of oil and about a half a stick of butter and you get that kind of up to temp and you drop them in there and you let it sear uh, the, the each side. So you sear each side. And then once each side is seared, you take like, I took uh, probably six or seven garlic cloves, just smashed them, threw them in there, a bunch of rosemary and then uh, chicken stock and filled it till it was like halfway on the potatoes, put it in a 450 oven. I'm telling you, um, this is a new thing for me because it was, <laughs> it was, it was like a mix between a, like a home fry and mashed potatoes. Cause you cut into it and the center was yeah. perfectly like mashed, but there had this like crusty layer on the outside of it. Dude. I also send you the recipe. You got to try All it. Right. You got, it's just like, I was blown away. Oh, sounds definitely like something I'll yeah, try. I just sent you a picture of it. But and then the best part of it is like there's that little like um the all the I call it potato gravy that it cooks in. You sit there yep. and you baste it as you're eating it. Like, oh <laughs> dude, that sauce was gold. So that looks they so for everyone who's listening, it kind of looks like a golden marshmallow yes. with like yeah. Like toasted on the top with you can see the rosemary and it's sitting in a butter sauce yep. that looks delicious. Oh my gosh, they were amazing. I'm gonna I'll post this on uh, Max Effort Kitchen just so people can see it. But wow, <laughs> I've been in a cooking mood this weekend. So um, yeah, it was it was one of those fun ones. Um, you did some pizza, right? Didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, it's funny. I I've never been someone who. Other than the potato or the pizza dough, I don't really like to shop too much at Trader Joe's right. just because I don't want to be one of those kind of people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I have found that you can shop halfway decently inexpensive yeah, there. Absolutely. Uh, I just got a whole bunch of chicken thighs for like $1.99 a pound. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these yet, but I'm going to buy them. I'm going to cook them real quick and then I'll use them as the, the weekend goes and uh, I made some tacos today or a quesadilla, quesadilla whatever, quesadilla. in between a quesadilla and a taco. Oh, nice. Okay. I like that. Open face, open face quesadilla, fill it up and then make it into a taco. Sweet. So Sweet. Uh, then I made barbecue chicken pizza yesterday and that was awesome. Yeah. So I still have, a, I think, two pieces of chicken left, but I was, I was just blown away when I'm like, oh, I'm getting like five pounds of chicken for 10 bucks right here. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, when I'm, when I'm shopping, the way I shop at, at Trader Joe's is I know like the two to three things I'm buying there. So I'll go to like my Kroger or Fred Meyers where, where we do our like primary shopping. And then on the way home, I'm like, I'm going there to grab a bag of like the orange chicken and maybe a mm -hmm. couple like random snacks for the house, something fun. Right. I'm not doing my primary shopping there. That's for sure. I was surprised. I was bummed. There's a caramel chocolate swirl, uh, caramel chocolate vanilla swirl ice cream mm -hmm. that they used to have in like the, the, maybe the court. Oh, and it, it's probably one of my favorite ice creams like ever. Okay. And now they only have it in the pint, but the pint is like three fifteen. Oh, really? It's, I feel like at the grocery store now, a pint of Ben and Jerry's is five bucks. Oh, easy. Five, six dollars. Yeah. So even though I'm bummed it comes in a smaller package, um, <laughs> that's what she said. Hey. Uh, 
it still was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Nice. Nice, dude. That's great. And then also on the Food for Thought podcast you guys just did, mm-hmm. you talked about the linguine carbonara. Oh, yes. Carbonara, and yeah. Yep. Uh, we, my hat, my growing up, we always had a recipe that we did and I haven't done it in probably like 15 years. So I quick like messaged my sister. I'm like, Hey, do you have that, that recipe? And she's like this one. I'm like, that's yeah. it. So I made that on Thursday. Nice. nice. And my daughter's been like tired of, she's like, I want new food. I'm like, no, I'm a creature <laughs> of habit. I just do like eight things, like seven or eight things. Yeah. And then we rotate and then, uh, she liked it. My son liked it. And he doesn't like cheese. Or at least he claims he doesn't like cheese, except for when he wants to like cheese. <laughs> so, kids, but it was kids are funny like that, right? They they eat what they yep. want when they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it it's, sounds like it's been a good, good food weekend. Um, so we're going to do a, a fun little show here. And uh, it's I just call it questions and answers. We've done it once on uh, Food for Thought. Figured why not bring it to this platform? Basically, the idea is uh, Cornell's got three questions for me. I got three questions for him. We have not discussed our questions, and we just got to answer with what we think in the moment. So, um, you know, well, do you want to go back and forth? Do you want to go three and then three? How do you think? Uh, we can go back and Let's forth. Let's do that. All right. I'm just picking. Okay. Them, so. Cool. You, you want to go sure, first? Sure, I'll go first. <clears throat> Okay, being from a coach's perspective, um, you know, how would you get a lifter to start moving his or her feet in the main lifts, in the snatch and the clean and jerk? Like, and side note, this has nothing to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So anyways, how go forth. How would you do that? So I was someone who had a lot of problems moving my feet for a long time. Uh, I've talked about it before on the show that I broke my femur when I was a a little kid at like two on a growth plate. So I've been, my body has been x-rayed standing up and that's how they figured it out. So my left leg is about a half inch longer than my right. So because of that, when I would try to move my feet, my right one would move fairly simple and the left one's longer and wouldn't want to move. So I would have this weird like side shuffle thing. Okay. Uh, my first coach didn't really care about it. And then when I, when he moved on and I was coaching with Nick, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and then my next coach obsessed about it, <laughs> but he, he never knew how to tell me how to fix it. Cause he didn't know how to fix it. He just said, you have to do it. And I'm like, well, how do I do it? Yeah, yeah. And so some of the stuff that I was practicing before all of this was, and this is what how I teach people to move their feet better. Um, start from the bar, warming up, and go as heavy as you can, not like max out, but there's going to be a point where you just can't lift anymore with the frog stance. So you've got your heels super close. Okay. Uh, maybe not, maybe not heels close, but just feet really close. And then you snatch the bar and then you snatch 40 kilos, 50 kilos, and you just work your way up. And then you slowly, once you start getting to that point where it's like, I can't really do this very well, make them a little bit wider, but not into your receiving position. Mm. And then, so that's one of the things that's like a 
kind of forcing it to happen. But the key with moving your feet is you want it to be on your top lifts, not just your warm up lifts. Because if you're not doing it on your top lifts, you're not really doing it. Because that's when you're in your fight or flight. So if you're not moving them on your top top end lifts, then you haven't like it's not ingrained in you yet. So let me ask you a follow up question here. Like, do you think? Um, a lifter, like if they're so like kind of what you just said, a lifter maybe not using it in their top, top sets. Do you think that's based off of fear or do you think that that means that maybe the, the weight is not heavy enough? No, I think it is the body. What you're in your fight or flight, you're going to do what your body is most comfortable Ah, to do. That makes sense. Okay. So if, if you are just like the program that I was doing where the coach didn't know how to teach me mm-hmm. or he, I mean, just, just telling you to do something isn't, that's not how you teach people. Right. It was all max effort. Yeah. So it was constantly taking it to maximum and you can't learn in your maximum attempts because that is the fight or flight. Right. So what I, what ended up happening is leading into master's worlds about, uh, I want to say it was about, 24 weeks out Mm -hmm. that's when i switched over to the weightlifting ai and what that did is it kept me in a range where i was able to continue moving with proper technique and moving my feet um for months at a time so i was i was able to hit easily with moving feet at 65 70 75 percent but at once i was getting over 85 percent, i couldn't do it and it would take me probably three to 500 lifts in that lower range. And then all of a sudden I'm at 85% and my feet are moving. Ah. And then I end up hitting triples at 90% and my feet are moving. <laughs> and it was like, oh, the whole reason that I couldn't do it based on the other coaches program was because it was being pushed too far and I needed to be held back a little bit to learn the technique. Cause that's where you learn the technique is in that 65 to 80% range. After that, it's like, just make the lift. Yeah. I like that. And I'm, I'm glad that's how you put it because that's, I mean, for me, that's how I understand it. Um, I heard something over the weekend on a podcast I was listening to where, um, a former coach, uh, was talking about, how he kept his athletes in the, you know, 70, 75 and 80% range on most of their uh, training um, because he found that the second he started going above 90 and, uh, you know, 90 plus is he was, he was seeing a lot of injury happen. He was seeing a lot of technique breakdown. He was seeing people were reverting back to like what they weren't supposed to be doing or maybe what they were doing when they first started and he tried to break. So it was, uh, it was kind of interesting <clears throat> to hear you say that, which is basic. I think the basic way I heard it was you, you broke it. You, you went down in your weights and you trained your brain, your body on how to move your feet under lighter weight. And next thing you know, it became second nature. Yeah. And I think that it takes a, a certain maturity in weightlifting to be willing to be taken down. Yeah, I agree with that. And- it if you have too much ego in there and too much just if your ego's too big and you're like no this, these are the numbers i hit i push to maximum all the time you're not going to get any better yeah. like when i look at the lifters who have been with that mindset for i mean i was on that team for 3 years right. and there's people who 
in three years who weren't realistically at the top end of what they were capable of, maybe got like a kilo or two PR total, like ever. And in those three years where I'm definitely pushing the top end of my level, I was making 10, 15 kilo PRs in both lifts. So, hmm. No, good answer. I like that. That was a good one. All right. What's your go-to meal if you were trying to impress someone or impress some new friends coming over? (laughs) This is an easy one. It's steak and potatoes. Uh, (laughs) Because here's the thing is, and this is kind of my, my reasoning why, like, I've done steak and potatoes. I got, I have kind of like a, a hand three. I'm going to say three steak and potatoes is always my go-to a, because that um, I can make a steak the same way a, a steakhouse can make it. And um, as long as I have all the ingredients and if friends were coming over and I want to impress, I would have all the ingredients. Um, I can, I can get the perfect sear on that steak. I can get the perfect cook on that steak. I can make the perfect pan sauce and I don't know about you, but for me, what's most impressive is something, but somebody cooking a steak that is perfectly seared, um, is flavored, is seasoned and cooked the way I want it. And so, and then the, the, you know, the side dishes are, are pretty simple. Uh, so it's steak and potatoes. Number one, number two is eggplant Parmesan because that's like a comfort food to me. And Uh that's also a technical one that, I have cooked so many times over the year that like you, you cut into that eggplant Parmesan and like, it's perfectly creamy on the inside and has nice crunch on the outside, salty. And there's a very specific uh, technique on how to do that. And it, it's every time I've ever made it for people, they're just like, they're blown away. And I'm always like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's no big deal. But like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I knocked that one out of the park. Um, nice. And for the last one, you know, it's, it's a a fresh pasta because, you know, it's just like making a fresh tortilla. Like, you notice the difference between what you buy in the store versus making it fresh. Fresh pasta has such a unique texture and flavor and the um, adaptability it has with when you're putting it to certain sauces um, really makes a difference. And you can, I mean, I could make some fresh pasta and, and do um, a really specific, like, you know, uh, twirl on it. So it sits really high on the plate and it's just like, you can make that look really pretty. Um, and so those are probably, I, like I said, steak and potatoes is probably the first one I go to always like that. That is a crowd pleaser. I mean, unless I have a bunch of vegetarians, which I can promise you, I probably wouldn't have a bunch of vegetarians, (laughs) nothing against vegetarians, but I don't have any vegetarian friends. So, um, I got a lot of meat eaters. And so that's, that's always one of them. But yeah, I think that, uh, those, those three things right there, that's my, like, if I am like really wanting to oppress, I, I pick one of those three things. Now that's awesome. I think that the eggplant Parmesan is the one that like not very many people have had, yeah. but for the most part, everybody's like, well, I can make a steak. I can make noodles. Correct. Correct. And then you're, you're like, oh yeah, we're going to have, 
maybe steak and noodles for dinner. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, kind of they have an idea of what they're going to eat. And then you just go and blow them away. Yeah. And that's the thing. So. Like, you know, um, if I can, there's been one time where I've been able to combine eggplant parmesan with the fresh pasta. That was a big day. <laughs> um, now, if I can do that, then it shows over. Uh, but um, like, you know, I just had a, I guess it was, it was about a year ago now, maybe less, but uh, I connected with an old uh, high school friend. His name is Marco. He's like, we grew up together and we grew up doing all kinds of things together, but we were was super close. And then we, we grew apart a little bit, but anyways, he came up here and with his wife that I'd never met. And I'm like, Alana's like, what are you making? I'm like eggplant Parmesan. And they walked in and they're like, Oh man, it smells so good in here. And then um, he's like, what is this? And I go eggplant Parmesan. He looks at his wife and he goes, that's my wife's favorite. And I was like, there it is. <laughs> Ding, that's <got> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Um, okay. So in your, in your opinion, now I, this might need some explanation, but in your opinion, what is the best accessory sport or, uh, movement or whatever off the platform to weightlifting? So like, does that make sense? Sure. Okay, cool. So what, what do you think, what, what do you think weightlifting should couple with outside of the platform? Now I know this isn't a very popular question because a lot of people are like, do weightlifting and that's it. Um, but if we're trying to be, I guess, well-rounded, or if you got a, a, a lifter that likes to do other things, what are you going to say, what are you going to couple it with? I would start out by seeing or figuring out how long this lifter has been lifting yeah. Are have they been lifting a long time? How old are they? Um, are they old and they just started like all of those kinds of things? What's their technique? Are they overthinking things? Um, this probably isn't the best answer to give for a lot of weightlifting teams, mm -hmm. but if they're, if they're newer to the sport, I'm, I almost tell people like if they come in, they have no experience. I'm like, Hey, go next door. Go to CrossFit for six months. Yeah. Learn, learn to not think about yeah. it. Learn to just be able to move. And then once you kind of get that, come back over here and we'll perfect it. Yeah. That's a good um, one, dude. I like that. But if they are, let's say masters lifter, who's, or just a larger lifter in general, who has been lifting a while and they want to add something else in, mm -hmm. Uh, I would actually say swimming. I think swimming would be something really good. It's real low uh, impact on the joints. Uh, you can do it for a long time. You don't get super exhausted. Plus, you're going to be with weightlifting. There is a lot to do with breathing yeah. and you're going to be working on your breathing. Plus, generally, if you're going to swim like in a 24 hour fitness or something, there's going to be a hot tub. Yep. So you can you can jump in there right after or right before. And I think that that would be a, a real good one. I don't know if I like said it out loud and didn't realize it but like literally as you were talking <laughs> i was thinking swimming because i, I mean uh -huh. personally i love to swim and um one thing that uh, i used to i used to have a coach tell me is that swimming elongates your body and it opens up your spine and and it it helps your muscles uh like um as far as like it's a stretch for your muscles because you're constantly stretching over and i didn't even think about the breathing part dude that's great i love that yeah, it's going to teach you so much to that because there's a lot of the one thing that weightlifters don't do enough of, and, and I'm included in that, is any form of cardio. Right. 
and running is going to jack up your feet and jack up your knees and potentially your hips yep. and riding a bike. I mean, my dad's boss just, he actually lives up where you live. He just got killed by a truck oh. on a, him and his girlfriend or wife were riding a bike, riding bikes and got hit by a, a stray log on a log. Holy truck. crap. Yeah. So, I mean, I've ridden motorcycles and I've ridden track bikes and uh, other types of bikes. And honestly, a Harley Davidson is probably the safest two wheel vehicle you can be on. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're on a road bike, you're silent, you're zipping through traffic. Like yeah. nobody, you're like, oh, they have to watch out for me, but you're quiet. No one knows. Right. So, no, I would say that probably swimming is one of the best things you could do. I like to swim. I, uh, when, I was like 18 years old. I, I was never like a great swimmer and I was 18 years old. I like almost drowned in a lake and I had a friend like saved me and it was like this big traumatic event in my life. And then, um, as I, I think what age 23, I started working at an athletic or a private tennis club, but they had a swim coach there and a swim team. And he taught me how to, uh, you know, swim for performance. So how to the breathing technique, you know, the different strokes and, I just remember those um, being some of the most rewarding workouts that I was doing. Um, you know, swimming a mile in a you know fifty meter uh, pool is a lot of fucking laps. <laughs> and uh, but like you're in water, it, you know, that's cold outside because I was always swim early, so it's cold outside. It's a heated pool, and you, when you come up out of that, like. The, it's it's um, similar to how people talk about the runner's high, but when you come up out of that, you just feel this sense of of like total body, like there wasn't impact, but like you were using your muscles the entire time, and it's it's a great feeling. It's like a swimmer's high, I guess you could say. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it. All right, what you got? All right, this one might not. I don't know. This might overlap a little bit with the other okay. one, but I'm still gonna go with cool. it. What's, what's your favorite meal to make, but it just takes too long to do regularly. Like it's a, it's a pain in the butt to do, but you absolutely love it when you do it. Oh, wow. You know, like it's like an all, all day event. Yeah. All day event. Trying to think what, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that route. I, you know, eggplant Parmesan does come up, but I'm not going to talk about that because that is a healthy process. Um, th <laughs> okay. I love Thanksgiving. I absolutely yep. love all the foods with Thanksgiving. I mean, but I will, and we we're just talking about this at dinner. Um, I will, when I did cook it for my family, I would get up at six in the morning. I'd be cooking till seven o'clock at night. And I would, you know, whether, whether it's like getting something going, running to the store, brining the turkey, um, you know, getting all the vegetables prepped, uh, making sure I have all my oils and fats and seasonings and, and cook, trying to cook everything perfectly and then time it. So it all comes out at the same time <laughs> that right there, Thanksgiving dinner is probably something that is so damn rewarding, but is the longest day of the year for me. Um, and that's why like, you know, my, I don't have much extended family, right? They all kind of weird enough, weirdly enough, they all kind of passed away kind of in 2019. And so, um, and uh, so the rest of the, that we're living have kind of just dispersed out and, and done their own thing. So 
we for uh thanksgiving here i don't cook it anymore and that's why we were talking about tonight alana's like do you miss it and i was like you know i miss it because i'm not cooking for a big group of people but that meal right there is so labor intensive i mean technically it starts the day before when i start with the turkey because i do i do two or three things um the day before with the turkey where you know i'm i'm letting it sit um out i'm later basically sit on the table uncovered uh with a bunch of salt on it um and then i dry it off with towels and then here's the trick and anybody out there is probably people are probably like oh that's disgusting but i'm telling you if you don't do this um you're missing out um i take uh, uh not uh, mayonnaise and i i lather that sucker up with mayonnaise i mean i'm like i'm there's a layer of mayonnaise on it and then i take my uh dry rub which is usually like salt oregano um any uh, time and a little bit of tarragon and i take that and i mix it up and they're all dry herbs and i i cover the turkey in that and so it just looks like this like green <laughs> covered of dry herbs it looks like a turkey of dry herbs and then i let that thing sit overnight in the garage and the garage gets about 40 degrees and that's okay for me and so um when that's sitting like that for 40 degrees the next day i take it out of the container and i uh, let it sit for another two hours at, and get it up to room temperature. Then I cook it. So that process right there is, is actually a lot longer than just one day. <laughs> so yeah. um, again, I love Thanksgiving dinner. It's like the best, best dinner of the year, but it's the longest, hardest <laughs> to cook for me because I don't let anybody else bring anything. I'm making my pumpkin pies. I'm making my potatoes. I'm doing everything because that's just to me, like I want people to come to my house and yeah sit down and just eat a meal as as a uh as a chef as somebody who has dedicated their life to food i think that's a better way of putting it than saying chef um i've dedicated my life to food and like i like to give that to people and by you know people are like oh you know i'm not i don't want to make you cook and i'm like you know what i'll tell you if i don't want to cook first of all <laughs> i'm pretty open about that <laughs> second of all I, I really like to share this part of me because like I've dedicated my life to this. I want you to taste these flavors. I want you to ask questions. I want you to be, you know, part of the meal and, and experience what it's like to have somebody cook for you. Because for me, that's like the ultimate giving of love. No, that's great. Yeah. How do you cook your turkey? I mean, which form of heat do you use for your turkey? <laughs> so I have, I have two, two ways. I've, you know, traditionally I've done it in the oven, but I actually have a, uh, tabletop cook, uh, turkey roaster. And okay. it's, it's literally, it fits just the turkey and I put a lid on there and I, I'll turn it up to 450 cause it goes all the way up to 450. Um, and I let it go for 450 for one hour. And what that'll do is that'll create that nice crisp layer. And then I turn it down to 325 for about four to six hours, depending on the size of the turkey. And then that last 30 minutes, I turn it back up to 450 to really sear everything and nice i mean i've i've never had complaints with this thing it is literally i think it is a game changer when it comes to turkeys is those counter countertop cookie uh, cookie turkey cookers <laughs> uh having a hard time talking counter countertop turkey cooker <laughs> anyways counter yes turkey. <laughs> uh, it's one of those days <laughs> um but yeah 
I think those are game changers. Anybody out there, um, you know, I've deep fried them. I like them deep fried, but it's not one of those things I like to do a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I've had them smoked. I've had them on the Traeger. <laughs> There's that word again. I've had them on the Traeger. And uh, I think they're good on the Traeger, but I also think the Traeger didn't cook it fully through. So <laughs> there's a little uh, – because it, what it does is it cooks the outside and it makes it look beautiful. And then you're like, oh, this thing's got to be done. And you temp it and it's like, oh, yeah, it's great. But then you pull, start pulling the meat off and, and there's like pink – too pink in the middle. So um, sure. I like – I like the, the countertop ones. Those are the best way to go for me. I'm looking at it right now. I'll, I'll, is uh, yours just sits in it or is it the rotisserie? It sits in it. It's uh, okay. it's like a it's stainless steel outside. It looks like a giant crock pot, basically. Yeah, I see a Hamilton Bay 28-pound yep. turkey roast. That's the one, too. Okay. I'm telling you, man, Good. worth the money. And, and I use it once a year. And it just sits on the shelf otherwise. And... I mean, I've used it, I guess I've used it for like uh, a, you know, pot roast and stuff, but you need a big pot roast. <laughs> so if you're, unless you're cooking for a big, like if you're doing like, you know, carnitas or something, you could use that, but it used once a year, but it's a great, it was, a, it was one of a Christmas present that when I got it, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? And my dad's like, you, you're going to love that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I, it turns out I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, last question is kind of lame, but I, I think uh, it it goes along with a question that uh, a conversation I had recently. Um, so, how much protein should a new versus old lifter intake, and does it differ based off of the level of the lifter or how long they've been lifting? I guess, or you could just say, what's the average protein intake that a lifter should to, should take? <laughs> Well, I went to the doctor five or six years ago. Okay. And maybe like, yeah, like four or five years ago. And she asked me how much red meat I ate. And I said two to three pounds. And she was like, okay. I said, I, then I said a day. And she goes, what? A day? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, a day. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, do you think maybe we could trim that down to like two to three pounds a week? And I knew that we were about to run my blood work. I said, well, let's run my blood work and let's see how it looks. Yeah. And then she ran my blood work and she goes, you can keep eating that much meat. Nice. All your blood work came back great. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I think that one of the big things with doing that is I don't need all the other crap that the American diet has. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but the majority of my food that I eat is meat and vegetables, yeah. meat, vegetables, and rice. That's probably the majority of everything that I eat. Um, there is fast food in there as well, but I'm not going to the store and buying box things and pre-made things and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like it's it had a face or it came from the ground. Best saying ever, by the way. <laughs> That's so that's good. Yeah. I I don't know how to say how much protein people should eat, but if you're doing protein shakes, you're not eating enough. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be a supplement from you not being able to eat enough. So if you're having to take the protein shakes, it means you're not eating enough. Yep. Um I don't know when the last time I had a, a 
a protein shake because I know that I eat more than enough protein. Right. So I like that. I like that. And that the kind of the reason why I asked you that is because, well, I know you well enough to know what your answer is going to be. Um, and I think that it was important. It's important for people to hear that, which is you can get your protein source from, uh, food. You don't, I mean, you know, I guess if you're bodybuilding and you need a specific amount of protein, you go out and get a protein shake. Um, but for weightlifters, I think protein is, is really, um, it's, it's something to, like you said, it's something to take in the case that you can't eat enough food, which I've never met anybody who couldn't eat enough, you know, <laughs> as a weightlifter. I've never met a weightlifter that, I mean, we, we have a, a mutual friend, Damon. Uh, when we went down there for San Diego, I've never seen anybody eat that much or even have that kind of appetite. That kid was putting down, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't want to just throw out a calorie number, but like, it was crazy. It was like seven meals a day. And uh, well, we went, we went to get pizza dough and he went to the little taco shop next door. And I was like, Oh, their tacos are huge. They're, they're, they're almost like half the size of a burrito. Yeah. And he got like six. Yeah. And like, I think he ate at least two. And then we had pizza like an hour later and then we ate a lot of the rest of them. Yeah. He might've eaten more. I don't even know, but <laughs> Like I have a, I have an iPhone, Mm -hmm. not the giant one, but the medium size one. You could probably stack four iPhones into the tortilla. That's how big (laughs) the it's, it's a, it's like a junior burrito. And he, I mean, they're like $7 each. So that should say something about how much food is in there, but yeah, no, he, he eats, he was, I was like blown away, blown away. (laughs) And mind you, um, he's, what's his weight class? It's, is it 71? He's, he's, he's a light 81. I light think. 81. Okay. <laughs> I think he weighs around 76. So there it is people like, you're not going to get fat. Like if you're a weightlifter, if you're, if you're training consistently, uh, if you're pushing, you know, uh, your weights and you're, you're doing what you should be doing on the platform, like eat the food because that amount of protein that's in the food, uh, that grew on the ground or has a face is going to be enough for our bodies. Um, and if it's not, then consult somebody and see what the way to get more protein. Um, but I'm pretty sure you'd be okay. Now I know there's people out there that have, you know, specific dietary issues or, you know, like my wife has really, you know, chronically low iron. And so I'm trying to get her to start eating steaks for dinner or for breakfast. She's like, I don't know if I can put down a steak for breakfast. And I was like, well, we need to figure out a better source of iron because otherwise the doctor is going to make you just take these, like these pills. And like, uh, you don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. Like, let's, let's get some iron in you. <laughs> Eat red <Yeah>. meat. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I don't know. And also don't be concerned with the whole organic grass fed, like super health. Like it's not going to be that much better. And it's going to cost way more. So we've talked about this on other shows. Yeah. Like, yeah, eating eating yeah. more red meat is better than eating healthier red meat. Listen, unless you're growing it and you're butchering it, or you're growing it in a garden, you don't know where that meat's coming from. 
I'm sorry. There's so much corruption in the certifications and the FDA and all that stuff. You don't, you have no idea. Also, you probably yeah. drink a pre-workout that is not certified by the FDA. So, Hey, there it is. And there's <laughs> stuff in there. You don't know what's in there too. And... <laughs> I, I talked to a dude the other day that said, yeah, I make my own pre-workouts. And I'm like looking at him like, what? <laughs> yeah. You just look up online. It tells you what to order and put it in. I'm like, all right, cool, bro. See you later. I did see one of the meme pages just said there's like 335 milligrams of caffeine in a two liter Coke Zero. So like, I don't need to get pre-workout yeah. anymore. <laughs> right. There it is. Oh, I like that. All right. Last question for me. Well, this one's kind of lame too, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, your, your favorite go-to fast food. Oh, man. Um, you know, it's... It's so trendy or whatever. It bounces back back and forth, but I will say it's it's most likely Taco Bell. And I'm probably yeah. going to get ridiculed for that, but like it is the quickest um way to get food into my body. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of driving and eating and so like I like a good burrito that I can hold the steering wheel and just like torpedo it down. And so I'll grab like and usually they have like you know, fairly decent food and it's really quick and it's really right there. And, you know, bean burritos, I go bean burritos all the time. And, and that's, um, you know, talk to all you want about their meat, but whatever I'm eating bean burritos or I'm doing like their double steak burrito, or they even have good breakfast. So boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the crunch, the crunch wrap yeah, breakfast dude. is it's outstanding. The best. Yeah, it is. And I always, you know, I always get ice water. Um, there was a hot second where I was getting Gatorade cause they do serve Gatorade on the tap, but that, I, I pretty much figured out that was just Kool-Aid. So <laughs> like, it was like, it was really a lot sweeter than the normal Gatorade. So I just like, I stick to ice water. I usually get, you know, just whatever I can eat on the road and that's where I'm going. Um, I've dabbled in the McDonald's thing, but I've, I, can't, I think I've made a conclusion about a couple of years ago that that's. That's not my go-to. The Taco Bell is my go-to. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Don't, don't have too much pride to admit that because I think uh, people that say they don't eat fast food are probably lying. <laughs> so. Well, Taco Bell is the, the highest rated Mexican food in America. I know. I know. So yeah. We got that going. There, there we go. I'm still eating the top of the top. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Listen, at the, at the end of the day, to me, food is food. And uh, I've never judged anybody for the type of food they eat. Um, I will question. But at the end of the day, like, if that's what you like, that's what you like. That has no effect on me. Um, if I have the opportunity to educate you with something, then I will. Um, if I have the opportunity to help you um, move along your path in food, I'll definitely do that. But I ain't going to look at somebody and be like, oh, you shouldn't be eating that because that's not my place, you know? And it's too bad other people don't have that, but like, you know, we have, you know, everybody's got their own opinion. So that's, that's just kind of my outtake on it. Nice. Well, good show, dude. Yeah. I liked it. That was a perfect amount of time. 42 minutes. Um, So we are testing out a new platform as we speak. I'm going to butcher the name. Okay. There it is. Uh, it's Streamyard. I keep calling it Duckyard because their logo is a duck with headphones on it. And Google keeps <laughs> correcting me. No, it's Streamyard. So um, this is going to allow us to maybe throw in a, a, a live show every now and then. Um, so be on the lookout for that. 
Um, hopefully it's, uh, after today, I'll know if it's a, if it's a go or not, but, um, seems to do all right. I hear you. Well, you hear me well coming through yeah. good. So I like that. Not that anyone else cares, but there's a chat right here, just in case, like in the beginning, I couldn't hear. So I just put in the private, chat. I couldn't hear you yeah. and then figured some of that stuff out. And this seems very like elementary, meaning like easy to use. Yeah. Not like, yeah. Dumb people can use it. <laughs> I'm pretty dumb. Well, and that's the thing is I've always approached this podcast is like, I want to do the minimal amount of editing because I want people to hear, you know, the raw side of things, but also I ain't got time to sit here for two hours and edit. And on the last platform we were using, it was like stressing me out because I w it would take me a day or two to post because I had to edit so much. So I'm hoping this is different. It's looking like it is. I did a bunch of tests over the weekend with basically gave my daughter the computer and said, go upstairs in another room and let's just talk to each other. So, <laughs> and that worked. Nice. So um, anyways, all right, everybody, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed the show, got something out of it. Let us know if you have any comments or no. Good to talk to you like always. You do. Adios. Bye.